Welcome to the Louisiana Sports Download, where we bring you exclusive interviews with sports figures from around the Pelican State, as well as in-depth content surrounding current events at the high school, collegiate, and professional levels. Please welcome your host, Hunter Bauer. Welcome back, everybody. This is Hunter Bauer with Louisiana Preps, and we're bringing you another episode of the Louisiana Sports Download. Uh, got a special guest with me today, Nick Saltoformaggio from Hanville High School. He's the head coach there and been there for a little while, but he's also been at a couple other schools around the state and the country as well, uh, select and non-select. Coach, how you doing, man? I'm good, thank you. Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas to y'all. We, we appreciate you coming on to uh, talk a little bit about high school sports in Louisiana. And, um, you know, starting out, you know, you, uh, you're a graduate of Holy Cross and uh, went to LSU, South Alabama, but you started your coaching career in 83. And uh, just kind of take us through that a little bit and tell us uh, a couple of places where you've been. Uh, yeah, I got out of uh, LSU in 1980, in August of 82, uh, with a degree in English education and jumped right into it. Uh, started my coaching career, coaching uh, 7th, 8th, ninth grade football at De La Salle High School for a half a year and uh, got my first varsity job at L.W. Higgins in 1983, in January of 83. And um, I tell you, I've really been fortunate along the way to, to have some really good coaches mentor me, but I was at Higgins for a while, and we really started the football program there in the in the early 80s. Uh, Higgins had, had kind of transitioned from being an all-girls high school to a co-educational high school, and John McGee was the head football coach, and he was looking for assistance and uh, really got on a good staff with some good quality veteran coaches and John McGee, who had had a background at West Jefferson, and uh, Nick Ray, who was a great football player at, and baseball player at Tulane. His son, as a matter of fact, was an excellent player player at Jesuit not too long ago. Uh, and then from Higgins, I went back to my alma mater uh, under Vic Umont, and who, who was kind of my mentor coach early in my career, um, had been a great player at Holy Cross and had been a college coach for, for a long, forever, it seemed like, and got into the high school ranks, and I was able to work with him and really kind of master the craft, learn the craft of defensive football and practice organization. And uh, I was at Holy Cross for a while, and Left there and in a, in a very, very good, uh, excellent high school coach, Henry Rando, who had coached my brothers at Holy Cross and uh, had taken the head coaching job at East Jefferson. And he was looking for a defensive coordinator. And I, I went over there and I, I was able to really kind of learn the motivational side of coaching football from Coach Rando. An excellent defensive mind, an excellent organizer of practices. But more than anything was where I learned the art of motivation, you know, that, that, that there is a huge component in the, in the brain of a high school kid that needs to be turned on for him to really want to excel. And coach Rando taught me that and, um, from East Jefferson, uh, my, my dearest friend, my childhood friend, Eric Collins got the head coaching job at Archbishop Hannon. And he was looking for a, for a defensive coordinator. And I had had 10 years of defensive football background under two excellent coaches and coach Umont and coach Rando. And uh, Eric and I got together at Hannon and he, he got out of the, uh, the, the select school at that time, Catholic school sector and took the head coaching job at Chalmette. I followed him there and uh, he left and went to Tupelo high school. And it was my opportunity to be a head coach. And we had a, a successful run uh, for a couple of years. And then a little something about it, name of Katrina. 
Katrina hit, you know, and then uh, when Katrina hit, uh, my parents were living in Alpharetta, Georgia. I moved up there. My brother uh, was a high school official in Georgia, high school referee in Georgia, told me they had a job coming open at Oconee County High School. They were looking to go out of state for, for a coach, and I put my name in. I was very fortunate to get the job, and really, again, talking about luck, I walked into a job where my starting quarterback was at Mettenberger, you know, and so oh my uh, things were <laughs> Yeah, things were really going well for me there, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, just had had a, had a desire to come home, and um, my, my wife was from Araby. My kids were all back here, and so uh, after my third season in Georgia, we decided to move back here. And the only job open at that time was back at East Jefferson, and uh, we went there, and you know, we we made a really good run of it. We're able to, we were able to win a state championship in 2013. Uh, and I kind of parlayed that into what I consider one of the premier jobs uh, in the state of Louisiana. There are very, very few jobs in Louisiana that offer the the athletes, the facility, the money uh, in and in, in you know in the program and in the school system that a place like Hornville has has to offer. You know, and you could count those jobs on one hand, and all, they're all successful programs. Destrehan, which is right across the river from us in St. Charles Parish, Zachary, West Monroe, Acadiana. Uh, and that's probably it in a handful, you know, and so I was able to land a Hornville job and have been very, very happy to be there, uh, inherited great players. We, we were in the Superdome two years ago in 2017. Um, we had a guy by the name of Puka Williams and, uh, you know, I've really been fortunate, man, just to have not only a great career, but to be mentored and then, uh, kind of, you know, accepted by really great people in education both select and non-select and so uh i'm just grateful every day i I thank the good lord every day uh you know that he put me in a position where a guy that was not a very good high school athlete uh and and you know played at a school uh at holy cross and actually was a was a wrestler at holy cross and you know just got to really have a great high school experience as a student and it's kind of carried me through my career and i'm very fortunate and very appreciative of it well, coach, you got a uh, a really impressive resume, and and uh, we, like I said, we're glad to have you on. You know, talk a little bit about what it, what is it today? What motivates a kid different today than it did ten years ago, twenty years ago? What? How has coaching changed since you started? Oh, I think that's a, that's that's an easy answer for me. Social media has changed coaching tremendously. Mm -hmm. You know, when I, when I first got into coaching, you needed to get into get an education degree. You need to go through college and become an educator, become Mm -hmm. a teacher, uh, and and work your way up the ladder. You know, you you know, like I said, I started out as a seventh and eighth grade football coach at Dillis Allen in 1982 as a part-time teacher, and then was able to kind of work my way up as a positional coach and the junior varsity ranks, then, then varsity, then coordinator, then a head coach. Uh, social media has changed all of that from a coaching perspective. Guys aren't going into education anymore. Um, men, I'm talking about, aren't going into education anymore. And so you're having fewer and uh, fewer uh, adult males wanting or, or being able to coach football. So as a result of that, you're getting all these guys who, who pick up a cell phone and videotape a kid running a 40 or doing a back pedal or throwing a football or catching a football. And now all of a sudden these guys, these handlers, quote unquote, 
are becoming the the coaches of today's kids and and you know kids now have access to social media colleges have access to social media right so the day of college coaches coming in and and hey the, the word of the high school coach was gospel those days are gone by the wayside because now colleges tend to you know, look at social media, kids are being offered football scholarships and the high school coaches don't even know about it. We read about it on Twitter or, you know, Instagram or Snapchat or Mm -hmm. Facebook or or the litany of social media sites that are out there. So I think that's the the biggest change in in high school football today. And, And I think secondly, you know, there's such a larger dynamic of, of, you know, single parent households with kids now. And so coaches have kind of taken on the role of being a, a father figure. And, you know, that's important. To me, that's extremely important. It's important that you carry yourself with pride and with dignity. And, you know, you, you look like the type of man that you would want your son to have as a father. Right. And so I think that has now become a role in high school coaching where, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you didn't have that so much. You know, right. that's not to say kids weren't from single parent homes because they were just didn't seem to be as prevalent as it, as it has been today. And then the third thing, and I, and I think if you're going to run a successful program, the educational component has to be part of your football program. I remember when I first got into coaching, I think the eligibility rule was past any three. If you passed any three, you were eligible. And then, you know, as we've kind of progressed through and, and, uh, you know, state legislatures across the nation have become more involved in high school athletics, the, the academic aspect of it has become a little bit more stringent, uh, you know, as as we've gone through the, the 38 years that I've been in this business. So, now, I know at Hornville, I have a lady named Miss Denise Keller. She's actually a football coach on my staff, and her sole responsibility is to make sure our kids are following the right path academically. Oh, wow. So if they're, not, if they're not able to get a football scholarship, they're at least academically eligible to be accepted into a two-year or four-year university. So I think those are the, the three big changes that I've seen uh, you know, come through. And, and those are the things that you need to use to motivate kids today um, to, to, to keep them, you know, following the right path to being a good man, not just a good football player, but a good man. I totally agree. And, um, you know, it, it's and it is crazy in a 10 year span, 20 year span, how how things such of that nature have changed. You know, one of the reasons we have you on here today is to talk about the uh, the ongoing, uh, I wouldn't say problem, but situation in the uh, in the LHSAA, you know, the split. Coach, how did we get there? Um, you know, what what was the cause of it? You know, why, why are we why are we uh, in the situation we are right now? Well, I think the biggest thing that that has occurred, you know, when all of this started back in 2013, it seemed like everybody was pointing fingers at, you know, John Curtis and Evangel. And and, and I think we lost sight of or we didn't anticipate the the growth and the magnitude of involvement of charters and magnet schools. And I don't think we anticipated the open enrollment programs that many school systems employ now. And, you know, to me, a guy that went to a, to a select school, obviously in Holy Cross High School, and had coached on both sides of this, the, the Catholic schools and the private schools have always been what, what they are. Some of them are, are pre-K through 12 schools. Some of them are for middle schools. But they've always had large 
enrollment areas. They, they really weren't, you know, uh, I guess, hemmed in by, by boundaries. Um, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. A couple of weeks ago when, when the uh, receiver at LSU won the Belitnikoff Award, he put on Twitter from Woodmere to Rummel to LSU to the Belitnikoff Award. Well, Woodmere is on the west bank of, you know, the greater New Orleans area. Mm-hmm. Rummel is in the east bank of Jefferson Parish. So mm-hmm. those schools, those private schools and Catholic schools have always had that footprint. I, I think what has happened with the LHSAA and, and really uh, speaking with friends of mine on both sides of, of, you know, the highway, so to speak, select, non-select is we don't know how to handle the, 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 the non-select schools that are now just taking kids from everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, New Orleans, New Orleans is, is open, open turf. Right. I mean, it is, it's open turf. And to me, I don't, and I don't think we have defined what select and what non-select is. Right. Um, you know, we, if we're going to stay split, I think the first thing we need to do is define exactly what constitutes select and what con- constitutes non-select. Again, going back to all these parish. It's an application process to get into a New Orleans high school for the most part. You mm-hmm. know, the cars, the Warren Easton, the McDonough, 35. I think all of them are, are part of a one-app program. Right. Well, if you have to apply to get into a school and that school has to select you, then that to me would make you a select school. Right. You know, and then, and then you have the city schools that are now popping up all over the place. Schools that have become their own independent school systems. Well, again, if, if you're selected to be a active student in those city schools, then to me, you're being a select school. You're selecting your student population. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, one thing we can do to kind of level a playing field out is, is to just go back and identify exactly what is select and what is non-select. I, I don't think we've ever, ever identified that. And you know, and I've kind of been an advocate for us to get back together. I'm a big believer in competition. Matter of right. fact, on the back of our helmets at Hornville, we have in big letters, compete. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're asking high school kids to compete and you're asking coaches to compete, they all want one thing, and that is to have it as a level playing field. We right. all want to be on a level playing field. It isn't about well, Hornville, you know, has to play Zachary, or Hornville has to play Destrahan, or Hornville has to play Acadiana, or Hornville has to play West Monroe. I don't think any, you know, any of those things are issues. We, we play those guys and they play us. Mm-hmm. I would say conversely, you take all those schools and say, well, they have to play Rommel or they have to play Catholic. I don't think that's an issue for those guys at all because they play each other. I think the issue comes to if we're going to play each other, if we're all going to come back together, then then let's let's identify how we can be on equal playing fields. Right. You know, and if it's, if it's as simple as, hey, every school in the state of Louisiana that participates in athletics has a designated attendance zone for you to be a participant, then, then so be it. Mm-hmm. We're not saying you can't go to a school outside of your attendance zone if you, in fact, want to go to a, a select school, a, a private school, a Catholic school, a Christian school. You just aren't going to be eligible to participate in athletics. Right. You know, and the one-year sit, you know, because if, you're, if, you, if you go to Hornville, if you're going to participate in athletics mm-hmm. at Hornville, you have to live on the West Bank of St. Charles Parish. 
If you're going to participate in athletics at Destrehan, you have to live on the east bank of St. Charles Parish. Right. And our school system, which is a great school system, not good, great, it's a triple A rated school system. Mm-hmm. They do a great job in policing that. So now you have an aspect of certain school systems will police themselves. Other school systems don't police themselves at all but we're expected to compete against each other equally and fairly on a Friday night. It, it just doesn't work out that way. Right. Um, you know, touching on what you said a little while ago, um, I've talked to a couple people about this. Now, the LHSAA has said that the Constitution is somewhat um, – it, it it's not a for sure this is how we're going to do it it's up for debate from you me billy bob on the street um do you think that has um has had anything to do with as far as you know the the split and trying to um, decipher enrollment and all this all this mumbo jumbo. I mean, does that have anything to do with the problem is because we're trying to interpret it as one thing. Another group's trying to interpret it as another. Um, they're trying to fix it and make it. I mean, what, you know, it's, it just seems like there's no clear, okay, this is how it's going to be. Well, I've, I've definitely, I think that's the biggest problem. You know, I mean, it goes back to me saying that there's such a gray area in identifying select and non-select. There's such a gray area in identifying, you know, uh, attendance zones. There's such a gray area in in identifying eligibility. Look, I I make no bones about this, buddy. Last year, two years ago now, I was suspended for our first four games and a a student athlete lost nine tenths Mm -hmm. of his senior season. for something he had no control over, none, zero. His his father was was you know not going to go back to the school where he was playing. He transferred to Hondell. Now the mistake I made was I let him wear a jersey to take a picture in May for a magazine that was coming out in August. Mm-hmm. So I was suspended for four games. Our, our program was was fine. We were put on administrative probation, and this student athlete lost nine tenths of his senior season. I, then I look at pictures on social media of Catholic schools, Christian schools, private schools having open houses. And there are kids who are elementary school students standing in locker rooms wearing jerseys. And, and it just it boggles my mind that, OK, I was suspended. This student athlete was penalized for the same thing that I'm watching other schools do openly on social media. And there isn't a word said, there isn't a hair touched, you know? So the fact that there is that large of a discrepancy in rules proves to me that there's a problem, you know, that there's, there is an inherent problem. And, and I mean, you know, I, I was an English teacher, still am I, I don't teach at Hornville. I'm just head football coach there, but I was an English teacher for 38 years. And if, if they told me that you needed a 93.8, to get an A in my English class and you got a 92.799999, mm-hmm. you got a B. Right. There, there wasn't a gray area to have. I mean, <laughs> that's the rule. The rule is what? And so I, I followed the rules. You know, if I had to teach Shakespeare in the third, you know, third nine weeks of, of a school year, I taught Shakespeare in the third nine weeks of a school year. I didn't teach Ben Johnson. You know, I taught right. Shakespeare. There was not any gray area. And I look at the rules 
that that we're given to deal with 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 what has now become the single greatest issue in the history of the LHSAA. How can you have gray areas? How can you have rules that are interpreted differently by different people? It's just absurd to me. Right. And and that's, uh, you know, Eddie Bonin um, in an interview a couple of weeks ago was saying how, um, you know, they had hired a constitutional lawyer to come in and look over the Constitution and say, OK, you need to take this out, fix this, da, 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 da. Uh, you know, if they can get it to where it, you know, the common man can read it and say, OK, I know what this means. Will it really help or can coaches and administrators still try to find their way around it either way? I would like to tell you that if, if Mr. Bonai and, and look, I, I, you know, I think Mr. Bonai is really tr- trying to get us back together. I think right. he's working hard to get us back together. I, I you know, I, there are days where I'm like, man, that's the hardest job in the state of Louisiana, no not kidding. named governor, you know, <laughs> uh, but, but I, I do believe this unless we find a way mm-hmm. to penalize everybody that breaks the rules and unfortunately, you have to put it that way. You know, I don't think that the LHSAA was ever designed to be a punitive organization. Right. But I think now, now that, you know, the toothpaste is out of the tube, so to speak, we almost have to swing that pendulum all the way back and become a pun- an organization that is going to punish the people that usurp the rules. Right. And, and you know, I, I think he's on the right path of, all right, we're going to rewrite this and we're going to make these rules understandable and and everybody's going to follow them you know I, I tweeted out the other day i was watching the texas high school games and texas of one state to our west seems to have figured it out mississippi one state to our east seems to have figured it out and i was in georgia and the ghsa seems to have figured it out and i'm gonna tell you the biggest part that the part that i know emphatically about those organizations is when you get caught doing something against the constitution of their athletic organization, you are punished very harshly. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it does not matter if you're a select school, or if you're a non-select school. And so it's unfortunate that we've come to the point that we've, we've, we've now gotten to, but I think that that's the only way that, that it's going to be corrected. Give us rules that we understand. Give us rules that everybody can follow. And if you, if you're found in violation of those rules, whatever the penalty is going to be, it has to be harsh. Right. To me, that's, that's the only way you're going to regain the trust on both sides. Because look, there are people on the select sides who don't trust the non-selects. There are people on the non-select sides who don't trust the selects. And there are people within both of those organizations that don't trust each other. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I just don't, I don't have any answer other than I think we need to start with putting together very detailed, very prescribed attendance zones. And you need to live in those attendance zones to participate in extracurricular at that, at that school. Not serve a one-year, you know, ineligibility where you're lifting weights and practicing. And then, you know, you go into – you serve that, that year as an eighth grader, but then as a ninth grader, you're eligible. No. You need to live, you know, if, if you need to live, if school A has an attendance zone from blocks one through blocks 30, you can't live on block 31. You need to live between blocks one and blocks 30, period. Right. That's it. You know, and I, to me, that's where you started. 
Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked to a lot of people who, who feel the same way about that. And, um, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, and this is, I, in, in, in my belief, I feel like this is a misconception because, you know, when this started, um, a lot of people thought that it surrounded two schools mainly, and that was Evangel and John Curtis. Um, but, you know, right. as people have have really dug into this whole issue and taught, you know, and you mentioned it before, select and non-select, they're both guilty um, of breaking the rules, you know, per se, if you want to say that. But, uh, you know, what is the common misconception? Because, you know, it's mainly about select, but it almost seems like sometimes the non-selects kind of get away with it a little bit. You know, you got... They get away away with it a lot. Mm -hmm, Not a little bit, a lot. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, this is a great story. I've told this, I can't tell you how many times. In 2013... Uh, we, I was at East Jefferson. We were playing car in the state championship mm-hmm. game. And unfortunately, there was a news story on. Uh, it was either the Thursday. It was a Wednesday to Thursday before the state championship game. It was a news story about an incident that had happened in Gretna, Louisiana, which is in Jefferson Parish. Mm-hmm. And I called my wife in. She, she didn't have a clue. You know, she's looking at it. She goes, what do, you, what do you want me to look at? What do you want me to look at? I'm looking at the story. I said, look at the window. They were just videoing, interviewing some people who were involved in this incident that occurred in Gretna. And in the window was a giant poster that said, my son was n- is number 53 for the Carl Cougars. And I will never forget that. He has Gret- Gretna is in Jefferson Parish. Carl is in Orleans Parish. And this kid's son or the, these, these parents' son was, was, play, was playing a car. And, and that's why, you know, you, I look at that and I'm like, what, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this analogy. LSU was a great coaching job, is it not? Right. If somebody came up to you and said, listen, we're going to work, you know, Coach Ogeron's retiring and we're going to name you the head coach at LSU, but this is the deal. You're the head coach at LSU and you get to recruit the entire state of Louisiana. Now, Nick Saban at Alabama, he gets to recruit the 49 other states and Louisiana. Right. Is LSU such a good job? Hmm. questionable not anymore <laughs> right well that that's kind of the way some of us look at it i live like i said i i work in in a great school system mm-hmm. at a great high school right. but you better live on the west bank of st charles parish because mm-hmm. if you don't you're not going to hornbill you're not playing football at hornbill right yet i'm gonna have to compete on friday nights in the state playoffs against schools whose kids come from everywhere you know, if, if you can get in a car and you can make the trip, we're going to take you in. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like I said, I'm a firm believer in competition. Right. Let's line the best guys up that we can get lined up on Friday night and let's play. But I just want it to be equal. Yeah. I, I just, you know, if I have an attendance zone and then the school I'm playing across the field on Friday night, they better have an attendance zone. And those kids and those uniforms better live in that attendance zone. Right. You know, switching to uh, sort of the same issue, but on a different side, coach, the principles, what is it, um, you know, there have been different proposals over the last couple of years to try to get the association back together and, you know, in one way or another, it gets voted down. But, you know, this past year, a couple months ago, um, a survey was sent out to all the schools and, you know, between the selects and non-selects, you had, you know, administrators, coaches, even students saying, come on guys, we need to get the, we need to get this back together. What, why, why are the principals not 
voting to put the social bank together if everybody wants it? Well, I'd like to, you know, first thing is I would, I don't know what the number of returns were, you know, for me, I think, you know, it's nice that the student athlete wants to, to get back together. But again, I'll go back to, to me as a teacher. There isn't a teacher in Louisiana that's going to walk into class on the first day of class and say, okay, you 35 guys, I want you all to set the rules. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's not going to happen. So when you send those surveys out to the, to the kids, to me, that, that's automatically a red light that this is not going to be successful in what its intent is. You know, secondly, I can't think of many more difficult positions in, in, profession, in the professional world than being high school principals, high school administrators. It right. is very difficult. Um, you know, it's almost like it, it, they, they now feel like coaches. You know, as a coach, every Friday night, your, your you know, score is going to put up, be put up on that scoreboard and put in somebody's cell phones somewhere. So you're being evaluated every Friday night. Well, school administrators are like that now because school performance scores are gigantic. Uh, you know, so rightfully so, rightfully so, athletics for some school administrators isn't the top priority. You know, now I'm fortunate where I am. <laughs> Again, I, I talk about how, like, I, you know, I just am blessed to be at Hornville because they understand that Mr. Ortling was who was the principal that hired me is now our superintendent, Dr. Ortling. Uh, Brian Lumar, who's my principal, was in all, he's in the Hall of Fame at Loyola for basketball. I, 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 I live in an environment that is understanding of how important athletics is. I don't know if that's the case across the state of Louisiana. I mean, I'm not in every school. You know, I can only tell you what, what goes on at Hornville right. and in St. Charles Parish. So I think what you have there is you may have some principals who have a tremendous affection, affinity for athletics that are going to say, hey, let us get back together. You're going to have some principals who are saying, no, I don't quite think that that's the right thing to do. And then you're going to have some principals that are going to say, listen, whatever, whatever somebody else wants, that's fine with me. I'll, I'll get in the car and take the ride with them, so to speak. So I don't know how, how well that survey um, really represents the entire culture of athletics in high school in Louisiana. I, I don't know. I, well, I'm going to tell you, I didn't fill it out. I didn't, you know, I just, you know, I think that there are people that we've hired to figure it out and I'm not one of them. Uh, I'm one of those, those guys that, you know, you tell me what I'm going to have to do and I'm going to go out and do it. I'm not going to create any waves. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure I'm be I'm treated fairly right. that our football program at Hornville is being treated fairly, that our student athletes at Hornville are being treated fairly. And if we are, I'm fine. I mean, they could tell me to swim across, you know, the Atlantic Ocean with nothing on but a life vest, and I'm going to do it. <laughs> right. And just so long as the guy swimming next to me is swimming with that same life vest. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, coach, so in January, uh, the the association is going to hold their convention, and um, um, Mr. Bonin has said that the executive council is going to um, – propose or have three proposals on the table um different ways to get the association back together i've heard of a uh, multiplier i've heard of a success factor um 
in your in your mind, what's it going to take to get them back together? What would be the perfect, um, I guess, option if you had if you if you were in charge and you had to make the decision? Uh, what would be the perfect way to get them back together? To me, it, you know, and I know this is very simplistic, but to me, I go back to attendance zones. That you're going to have an attendance zone. Your kids have to live within this attendance zone to participate in athletics, not serve a one-year ineligibility, not, um, you know, have test scores that make them eligible. You're, you have to reside in this attendance zone and then find a way to police it. You know, I, I realize that you're dealing with a limited number of people. Right. Um, but, but again, the schools that are going to cheat, they're going to cheat and hope they don't get caught. Right. And if they get caught, we have to handle it harshly. Uh, you know, and I'm, and I'm, you know, when I'm talking about harshly, if you're caught, you're ineligible for, for the, for the extra, you know, for the, for the postseason. Right. You're ineligible. You know, if you're caught twice, you have a five-year ban. I mean, you have to be extremely harsh on the people that aren't going to follow the rules. And, and to me, that's a great place to start. Now, it's probably an oversimplification of a giant problem. But again, we, we've gotten to a point where we need to have extreme measures. I, I, and, you know, I, I, again, the, 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 the LHSAA has way more non-select schools than select schools. Correct. And I think if you still have that mistrust between the two factions, I, I, it doesn't matter to me if there's three options on the table. What you know, the multiplier. All right. So if you have this much success, you're going to have you know you're going to have to play up a couple of classifications. That's not that's not stopping you from from you know not doing the things you need to do. You're not dealing with the the number of kids in the school. You're dealing with the number of kids in your athletic program. All right. So. There are a lot of schools out there that dress out 50, 55 kids that show up on Friday night and can put a beat down on somebody that's dressing out 150, right, you know, exactly. because they have the right 50 to 55 kids, you know? So it's, it's not to me, the multipliers and the success formulas and all of that. Well, that's a start. It's not stopping people from doing what I consider to be the illegality. And that is, taking kids from anywhere. If you can get a ride to our school, you're in. Especially if you're 6'2", 230, and can run in the mid-fours. You're definitely in, you know? And, you know, you, I, it's funny. I never hear my band teacher complaining about the bands that he competes with at band festivals recruiting illegal kids. I never hear that. It never happens. I never hear the band. I never hear my the choir teacher at Hornville say, "Well, I'm not. We're not going to sing against this group because they're out recruiting better voices." <laughs> right. You know, I, I, you, I never hear our dance team, you know, sponsors say, "Man, we're not going to dance against this team Friday night because they're out recruiting different dancers, the better dancers." You never hear that. This is an athletic problem. So what is that telling the powers to be? that the people in sports are the ones that are cheating. It's not the other extracurriculars and it's only certain sports. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it, you know, and, and that's the thing. And that's what I tell people all the time. It's a tough situation and, and I hate it 
I hate it for the kids involved because uh, in one way or another, kids get hurt and that's not what you want. You want to try to do what's best for your kids. And, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a real mess right now. I, if, I'm yeah, just well, being honest. I, I, I asked this question because mm-hmm. I read all, you know, some days I think I just need to get off of social media, but <laughs> for me, it's a way, for me, it's a way to follow a lot of our student athletes. Right. And, you know, and when people say, well, the championships are watered down mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, the school A should be playing school B. You know what my response is to that? If that's your son and your son is playing at a school that has to live and play with the prescribed attendance zone mm-hmm. and probably will never get a chance to play for a championship, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the fact that you have to tell your son or your daughter that, hey, we're going to play by the rules where you go to school unfortunately all the schools you compete against they don't have to so hey good luck yeah, you know exactly hard exactly hey, you know so I, I never i never see people argue in that point I, I never ever ever see it and and it it just it look i watch our volleyball coach she is fantastic mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic but if you're a if you're a non-select school in volleyball you, you, what are your chances? Honestly, what are your chances? Not very good. You know, if you're a wrestler, I was a high school wrestler. Mm-hmm. And I went to Holy Cross. Right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, you, you know, that. but if you're a public school wrestler, what are your chances to win a state championship? So are you telling me that every volleyball coach and every wrestling coach that's coaching at non-select schools just aren't very good and that the select school coaches are phenomenal? Mm-hmm. Or is there an issue there? Yeah. You know, it just, I want, you know, I, and I can't say it loudly enough. I can't say it sternly enough. And I can't say it often enough. I just want the level playing field. Mm-hmm. That's all I want. Right. I want the schools that I compete against to play by the same rules that Hornville High School and Destrehan High School, because we're in St. Charles Parish Public Schools together. Mm-hmm. I want those, all those other schools to play under the same rules we play under. You know, we can't offer alternative programs that allow kids to cross uh, school zone lines and parishes to participate. We don't offer, you know, international baccalaureate diplomas. We don't offer special programs in shop or farming where we can tell kids to cross. That's not the case. You're going to go to Destrehan, you live on the East Bank of St. Charles Parish. You're going to go to Hornville, you live on the West Bank of St. Charles Parish. Period. End of conversation. Um, Coach, where do you see the association five years from now, in your opinion? I think I think the next two years will decide the next five years. Yeah, that that's and if we don't figure it out, I absolutely believe we'll be a split organization. I think we'll be like Texas, and I think we'll be like the lower classifications in Georgia. In Georgia, the lower classifications are split. Right. The larger classifications are not. You know. Uh, so, so honestly, I think. I, I, you know, I would hope that we can find a way to get back together. Mm-hmm. But the first thing we have to do is find a way to trust each other. That's, That's the first thing we have to do. And if we can't find a way to trust each other, then we're not going to find a way to get back together. And eventually, because of sponsorships and, and, and tournament sites and championship game sites, 
eventually we're going to split. It's right. just, you know, the, the, you know, it's out there now. The, the selects playing at, at different championship venues mm-hmm. was a huge blow, a huge blow, in my opinion, to us, uh, you know, getting back together. Right. Yeah. Um, to, that vote in January, I think, is going to be really important. It's probably going to be one of the most important conventions in the history of the association, if I had to take a guess. Yeah, but, but I will tell you this. If they vote to get back together, mm-hmm. this is my greatest fear. We vote to get back together. Hip, hip, hooray. Everybody's happy. We mm-hmm. throw a parade. And then nothing changes. Right. It just and goes back to the old way. Yeah. And then two years from now, we split forever. Forever. You know, it just, it, 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 we, we have to make sure we're not, we're not getting ahead of ourselves here, you know, because if, if we vote to get back together and next year, all the select schools are playing for championships and all the non-selects are on the sidelines watching, Mm -hmm. they'll go back to the table and vote for the split again and it will be over. Oh, it's a interesting time for Louisiana high school football. Yeah, and well, and, and look across the board. I think not just football. I mean, you look at baseball, softball. You know, boys and girls basketball. That's right. You know, and I don't. I don't think it's so severe in basketball because you're not dealing with the number of of people. Right. To be honest with you, you right. know, if, in basketball, you got you know. 10, 12, 15 man rosters. You put five guys out on that court and two or three of them, whether they're select or non-select, whether they're magnet, mm-hmm. whether they're open enrollment attendance zones, whether they're in closed attendance zones, you put one or two guys out on that court that are phenomenal basketball players. You got a chance to win a state championship. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Exactly. But I think in baseball and in football and in track, you know, uh, in softball, where you're dealing with large numbers of athletes mm-hmm. where, you know, you need to find pitchers and you need to find hitters and you need to find sprinters and you need to find jumpers and throwers. And then obviously in football, because of the number, um, you know, when you should never ever have schools dominating year in and year out, like we do here. I right. just, I don't believe that that's the case. I just, I don't think, because I know this much, our kids, Louisiana football kids, and I'm, you know, it's what I know is football. They are superbly coached. Mm-hmm. They are superbly coached, whether you're at a Catholic school, a private school, a Christian school, a traditional public school, a magnet public school, or an open enrollment public, public school. They get exceptional coaching. Right. And for the most part, exceptional training. So when you're getting one or two schools or three schools that are constantly in the championships and semifinals year in and year out over and over and over and over again, they're, they're doing something that, that may not be exactly uh, above board. You know, I I had uh, Henry Rando once said this to me, the New York Yankees spend more money on winning championships than any organization in sport. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and you probably noticed oh, yeah. the Yankees are going to have a payroll over a billion dollars, mm-hmm. a billion. Yet the Yankees don't even make the world series every year. <laughs> it's crazy. So how are we in Louisiana with the same people yeah. every single year in the semifinals and finals? How is that possible? And every now and then you'll get a Hornbill or you'll get a Destrahan that'll pop in and make a wave. But how is it possible that year in and year out, it's the same people? 
Those are great points, now, those Coach. Are questions, yeah, those are questions that if, if I'm the head of an association, I'm saying, wait, son, this just this doesn't seem right. You know? Well, Coach, we, uh, you know, we hope that uh, come January – somebody will figure something out and we can get this uh, resolved and, and um, you know, hopefully cooler heads will prevail and we can get to playing some sports again. But uh, you know, coach, we appreciate you coming on and, and spending a few minutes with us and we hope to have you back on uh, soon and talking some more football. Yeah, it'll, be my, it'll be my pleasure, man. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody. Same to y'all. Y'all have a good one. Thanks coach. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow at Louisiana Preps on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe for free to listen every week to the Louisiana Sports Download.